0: Absolutely, like straight up. If you're not coaching something, like it doesn't need to be, you know, high level F and C. You're not going to walk into the best clubs in the world and be an F and C just because you are. But if you can, like, I, look, I started coaching basketball at a local club in Sydney, and I was assisting at a representative level, like eight, 18, 19 Like, it, it, it's not like you're not going to waltz into high level stuff. But if you can manage a group of people deliver information in a way that actually is effective and changes behavior, like that's the essence of any kind of coaching. And if you can't do that, then uh, I don't care if you call yourself an s coach, a technical coach, whatever coach, like you're not going to be as effective as you can be.
1: Welcome to the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. Every week, I host live chats via YouTube channel with leaders in the AFL and high-performance industries. Join me live every Sunday at 6pm where I debrief the recent chats and announce the upcoming guests. We drop an inspiring and educational episode every Monday. If you like the show, please follow us on your favourite podcast app. Welcome back to the Prepare Like a Pro live chat show. My name is Jack McLean. I'm your host. And today, my guest is our newly appointed Strength and conditioning coach, James Wolfenden. He's also the head strength and conditioning coach at the Carlton VFL Men's. Before we start this episode, our mission here at Prepare Like a Pro is to inspire aspiring athletes and staff with practical knowledge from some of the industry's most inspiring individuals and to strengthen the AFL community. If you like the show, please show your support by following us on Instagram and subscribing to the podcast. We're on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube. Welcome, James Wolfman. How you going?
0: I'm all right, mate. How are you? I'm going well. I'm going I've well. I've made it. I've made it on the podcast. I'm a big deal now. I'm a big deal.
1: <laughs> not sure about that, but hopefully one day, mate. Hopefully the podcast <laughs> will, will grant you that. But uh, yeah, t- take us through the very beginning, mate. Firstly, what age did you discover you had a passion for strength and conditioning?
0: Look, I think generally the gym in high school, because when you go to the gym and start lifting weights, curls for girls, all that, you're not really thinking about strength and conditioning. You're just thinking, you know, big set. But <laughs> through high school, sort of started finding myself in the gym every lunch break after school, that kind of thing. Then pretty soon I realized, oh yeah, like once, you know, leaving school, didn't really care for a job where I was sitting down a lot. Mm-hmm. Wasn't interested in all the other kind of things that my friends were going to uni for. And I knew like, oh, okay, I want to be involved in sport. And at the time I was coaching basketball in Sydney. So would have been coaching basketball since probably I was 18, like right after I was left school straight into coaching basketball then was you know for about five years after school i was doing a a sports coaching degree there coaching basketball and i sort of started moving more and more into s and c stuff looking at the gym side of things then i started looking at how i can apply the principles that can actually aid in teaching people basketball Mm -hmm. let that crossover happen then i realized oh okay if i actually want to you know go down this kind of a road, I need to look into sports science stuff, then same time it was sort of a a combination of, oh, I haven't really traveled and haven't moved out of home yet. So I sort of decided I'll go halfway between the two kind of and move to Melbourne. Basketball's better down here anyway, so that's sort of part of the reason why I moved, came here. And then anyone that has had to move to Melbourne will obviously tell you that you need to figure out footy pretty quick if you yes. want to have a social life and if you underst- want to understand anything of what anyone's telling you. So started picking up a little little bits and pieces, figuring out what teams do I need to hate, who do I need to love, blah, 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 Studying at RMIT, doing Bachelor of Exercise Sports Science, then got into football when I started interning over at Essendon. Did like dabbled a little bit on the AFL side, but mostly VFL there, which was pretty interesting when you don't know that much about football, and especially don't know the names of these incredibly high-profile players, and you sort of have a few awkward moments when you have no idea who their name is and they're some superstar player. Yeah. But then you know you you learn stuff pretty quick when you're thrown in the deep end. Then go through there a bit, bit of bit of time with the VFL over at Essendon, then moved over to Carlton after. COVID moved out there and in essence and sort of plan around with various other bits and pieces around sports science and coaching at different gyms and so on and so forth
1: yeah you, you mentioned early early days that you had the passion to get into the gym and uh, you know develop yourself physically and and then getting in you had a passion for coaching more the tactical technical side and then you start to bridge the gap with that, how did that come about Were athletes starting to ask about how they can improve their athleticism and that's where you started to gravitate towards helping them in the gym? Focus Not really. I I, I, of-
0: I was asking that of myself. So I'm someone that I'm always trying to, I'm always thinking, okay, what's the next? What can I get better at this? What can, what's an angle for this that can improve that? Trying to find different ways to attack a problem as opposed to, like when are you coaching any kind of skill? whether it's tactical, technical, in the gym, whatever, there are some people that are going to react, they're going to respond really quickly to what you're saying, and then some people that are. And it's just finding different ways to communicate things. And so as a young coach, you don't have a lot of those tools. But I'm thinking to myself, and what I started realizing later on is that I'm actually kind of playing around with sort of constraints-based approaches to learning. And I'm thinking, all right, how do I teach people this technique without telling them to do this technique because I've told them to do this technique and it hasn't worked. So how do I play around with something where I can put them into this position so they can feel it without me trying to puppeteer them with words? And that sort of led towards, okay, we'll get some resistance bands out. Oh, okay. Maybe if I can reinforce this position with some resistance training, I I can sort of remove the basketball component of it and I can simplify this movement, which is a lot of the time what you're doing in the gym anyway. And that can help reinforce the motor skill of it and then you know looking back at that now again i'm that's a lot of what people talk about now in that constraints-based approach being able to adjust some kind of motor skill and add a resistance to it to reinforce it mentally and that's where i sort of again i I didn't sort of stop and think to myself a research constraints-based approach i just sort of that's just the line of thinking i went down it was effective at the time
1: and do you think for snc's listening in spending some time early on in your, your coaching and, and communication
0: side of things managing a group for you know junior sports is helpful absolutely like straight up if you're not coaching something it doesn't need to be you know high level f and c you're not going to walk into the best clubs in the world and be an f and c just because you are but if you can like I, look, I started coaching basketball at a local club in sydney and i was assisting at a representative level like eight, 18 19. like it, it, it's not like, you're not going to waltz into high-level stuff, but if you can manage a group of people, deliver information in a way that actually is effective and changes behavior, like, that's the essence of any kind of coaching. And if you can't do that, then I don't care if you call yourself an s coach, a technical coach, whatever coach, like, you're not going to be as effective as you can be. Mm. And so I think what I've found a lot of the time going through uni And with a lot of younger coaches is that they all start focusing on what are my sets and rep schemes, what, you know, my this, that, or whatever technical pieces, can you deliver this? Mm. Like, what? I don't care what your idea is, can you deliver it to a group of 10, 20, 30 people that really don't care what you have to say? Straight up, you you get in front of a group of 10 people, especially if they're like 14, 15, 16 year olds, they just want a ball. They just want to play. Like like dunk. Yeah, exactly. Like they want to shoot threes, dunk. And if you can help them dunk, sick. They'll listen to you, man. They'll listen to you. If you can help them get better at the thing they love doing, sick. But if you're trying to convince them, all right, we need to, you know, we need to get down, stay in this defensive stance. And no one likes to be in a defensive stance. No one wants to actually apply that kind of effort because it's not, you know, that's not fun. But if you can develop the skills to communicate the importance of that and then get them to buy into your message, I don't care what level you're at, what context you're in. That's going to translate in terms of when you get to if you're an S and C coach and you want to deliver a program to people. If you have those skills from early on, like I'm talking before you start going to going to uni or even first year of uni, if you're coaching your local football team, even if it's just if you just want to you know you're you're good at kicking and you want to be the kicking coach, teach people stuff. Now if you're at uni, be the smart dude that teaches other people. Like that that. Just teach people stuff because at the end of the day, you're a coach, you're a teacher. That's what you are. Yeah,
1: I couldn't agree more, mate. Like you said at the start, like whether you're technical, technical, tactical, you're in the gym, you're essentially teaching athletes how to move either at a slow pace, fast pace, in a complex nature like sport or a controlled manner like a a one-on-one setting in the gym. It must have been hindsight now with what you mentioned, you know, with French Bosch methodology sort of being a big wave through the industry. And constraint-based coaching, and and starting to appreciate motor learning, you must be pretty pleased with with how you know you sort of landing your feet with that gravitation towards basketball first, and then brought in the technicalities and laid those sort of your periodization and your
0: sort of strength addition models later on in your career. Yeah, well, it's handy because you know I played basketball and rugby through school. Again, Sydney boy, I constantly play rugby. So you know you rock up in Melbourne and you realise that footy is a pretty solid combination of those two plus a couple of other things. So it's sort of, you know, if you understand a few of those fundamental elements and then how to coach them, it really helps, especially going into a sport that I wasn't that familiar with when I started, you know, interning at places. If you can't communicate those elements of stuff that you're already familiar with, you've got no chance with stuff that you're not. But it also helps if, for example, you are finding yourself in a sport that you aren't as familiar with originally. If you can relate certain things, to this new sport that you already have experience with, so in my case, basketball and rugby, then you really, it's going to help bridge the gap. And what I tend to find is that those newer perspectives, even newer in a group like, especially like football can be quite useful because it's just like, you know, if you hear the same message over and over and over again, then you ignore it. But if it's said slightly differently from a basketball perspective then like, oh, okay, I understand that. And someone else who has been in their ear about something that you explained in a different way and it worked. that other coach is going to get annoyed you because you are the perfect words, but mm. that's on them. That's fine. It also helps with basketball because so many football players have experience in basketball as well. Yeah, there's a successful crossover. And
1: with the, like the understanding that tactical, technical side, like from a conditioning point of view, what are some helpful drills that, like specifically that you've helped with like players that want to improve their footwork, I guess, on the field or maybe their repeatability in terms of repeat high-intensity efforts? Like what are some classic sort of football drills um, that you've seen over the last couple of years now working in footy, but then you've added in a, a, maybe a more basketball-type drill to it or a rugby element to it?
0: So in terms of conditioning stuff, what I like to do, and this is less a matter of like taking from basketball or rugby or anything, it's more a matter of, because I'll have to work a lot of the times with a football coach. And I know as myself, as someone who's been a head coach, you know, you've got a bit of an ego about you and, you know, you want to, this is the way we want to do stuff. So I think it's, for me, I understand it's less a matter of how do I create some sort of conditioning thing. And it's more a matter of, okay, how do I work with this coach? They've got their drill that they want to do. And a lot of the time it might be like an in-tight drill, like a sort of a touch drill, a quite enclosed, which really is just sort of contextual agility. Uh, there's no point in me trying to create something brand new when we've got some sort of in tight drill that they're already doing that's going to tick all the boxes that I need. To. And if they've got that drill, I'm like, okay, sick. Let's, that's, just, that, that's our agility stuff. But then if I need to obviously turn it into a conditioning thing, I might then go over to that coach and be like, all right, cool. Let's change the timings of this. I might just, I'm, I'm then thinking intensity and duration. I'm thinking, all right, let's have like a 20-second hard effort. Yep. And now I'm bringing in some, some fitness lingo, some S&C lingo. Let's do a, you know, a one-to-one work-rest ratio, work ratio one-to-two, blah, 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 all that. Start bringing in those concepts and you can just talk to that coach. Be like, hey, let's, you know, can we, can, I, can we turn this into a conditioning block? Mm-hmm. Let's say we run this for one thing and you, you coach stuff, great. And then we just increase the intensity of it. We, increase, we change around the work-rest ratio of stuff. So I haven't really needed to you know, inject myself that much, which again, if you're an C coach injecting yourself onto the football domain, be careful because mm. there can be plenty of times where a football coach is like, no, just get the hell out of my way. I don't need you. I need to coach. And any time you can basically tell a football coach, hey, I'm going to maximize your time teaching stuff. I'm going to maximize your time for drills. All I ask is we change around some timings and stuff. If you can do that, that, if that ticks your boxes as an SMC high performance, whatever, thick love it mm-hmm. and if at the same time you've still got them getting coaching minutes in thick everyone wins yeah to win. win and then if you need to work on some isolated footwork stuff some change of direction stuff as opposed to agility and you can go down that whole rabbit hole of difference between change of direction and agility you can then just do I, I i tend to i'll for footwork stuff i'll just tend to go into like an agility ladder like again there's a whole kind of thing around people with hate agility ladders because they think that you're not going to get that much more agile and fast, which is true. You're not really going to get, you know, faster using an agility ladder. But if you're an absolute baby and don't know where your feet are at any point in time, then jump it on a ladder just to help get you some coordination with your feet. I've, yeah. I've used agility ladders to teach footwork for basketball, which is a, obviously in basketball it's a massive thing for work, but you can just teach footwork and then you can start, applying a bit more force to that. And then at a certain point, if you've got good footwork and you're applying more force, then you kind of need to get rid of that agility. Use it all up, essentially. But really, it's trying to find ways to keep their agility work and their conditioning work as close to what they're doing in training as possible, in my opinion. Now, obviously, there'll obviously be times where you can't, you just need to do some, just some proper plain old conditioning stuff. But if you can maximize the time that a coach has with their athlete, stick, love it if you can get the things that you want by just changing around you know durations and work rest ratios and whatever stick, love it everyone wins
1: uh, it makes a lot of sense mate and it's an important thing for, for s and to recognize that it's you know not to work in silos but actually to collaborate communicate with your with your staff members and like you said everyone can win if if there's strong communication about what are you looking for to achieve with the players from a conditioning point of view and what are the coaches and how can you, you marry them up and I think we've win, win there as well because it's more specific yeah. and more enjoyable.
0: And I think I wouldn't have gotten as much of an appreciation for that fact if I hadn't worked as a coach, like mm. as, as a technical and tactical coach, because I'd think to myself, oh, you know, just, you know, I'm the expert. I know S&C stuff, blah, 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 blah. Just listen to me, man. And I'm just like, well, no, they have absolutely no direct reason to listen to you unless you give them one. They've got a job to do. If this team wins or loses a lot of the time that's going to be purely based on the decisions of that head coach. So that head coach has to trust what you say and has to understand that no one's winning premierships in the weight room, but you can sure lose them by not being out in the field. So you've got to make sure, like, you've got to have an appreciation for that. You have to appreciate that coach has a lot of different aspects of that team, that individual that they need to be looking out for and that you need to make sure that you are helping that head coach achieve what they need to achieve, and you're helping those players achieve what they need to achieve on a broader level. If you don't really have that understanding as an SEC sports scientist, you need to get out into the real world a little bit, coach some sport to understand what the demands of that head coach or just general like technical and tactical sport coaches have to deal with.
1: And you you mentioned first working at Essendon Football Club, both across the AFL men's and and VFL in assistant sort of internship role. Talk talk us about, through how that would sort of look both from an athlete development point of view, what were some things that you sort of learnt straight away that are valuable for footballers, but also from a career point of view in terms of progression and, and uh, you know, recognising potentially it's an you know, elite sport or something you're passionate about?
0: So I'll start with the AFL side because that was, I, I spent, you know, a, a handful of days working around them. It was For me, it was mostly get in, learn the toys, learn the, you know, the GPS stuff, learn some of the, the gym aware stuff, some of the power testing, getting around it, seeing the the flow of the day, heading out on the track and really seeing how players relate to the S C sports science side. And it's really like again, you're coming into that environment as a sports nerd. So don't expect the cool kids to like all your toys. They they're gonna come in and see, you know, all the GPS stuff and what do they care about? Did I beat this person in meters and so on Like it's a competition it's like again we don't like it's understanding what your impact has on these people and what they care about which it's not a bad thing that they don't care about the same things that you care about because if they did then we'd be overthinking this entire industry. i think it's a it, it it sort of let you quickly learn that you need to sort of check yourself and remember that you need to relate this stuff to what they want no matter what information you're collecting no matter what or what uh, what objectives that you have if they don't care about them good luck buddy and again that's just being relatable so just remembering that these people are humans who are here again let, 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 let's start like let's remember that this is at the end of the day a ball sport that we all you know people played as kids and it's all, it's all sporty it's, it's a bunch of kids playing sport for a lot of serious money but at yeah. the end of the day everyone's doing it for enjoyment. They're, they're, people want to be here for football. They're not here to get bigger in the gym as much as you want them to be. They're not here to, you know, blow up the GPS as much as you want them to. So you've got to find a way really to communicate that information to them. And that's sort of what I sort of found uh, starting with the AFL side of things, that they'll come through, they'll do the stuff you ask them to do. But if you want them to do it, like with a certain amount of vigor and energy that you want them to, then you've got to, you've got to give them a reason. And then going into the, the VFL side of it, I, I promised him that I'd give him a lot of shout outs to annoy him. So Cam Michalov or McAuliffe, however you want to annoy him, if, if there's a name that you need to go search up because he is probably one of the best men working in football. That's where I met him over at and VFL. So he's one of those people that if you ever meet him, and plenty of people have, they'll agree with me that he's one of the nicest people you're going to meet. And immediately you see in how he relates to players. And so that was one of the big things I learned at VFL level is if you show just just care. Like if you're somebody who rolls in and just sees these players as people that, you know, mechanisms that you need to get better in order to add to the whole that is football team, then you kind of lost the secret sauce. And that's probably the first thing I learned in Benner and Kammer is a level of care for individuals and really just love and appreciation for everyone that's working with him that makes people want to do the stuff that you know that that you're asking of and that's not because you need to care about these people in order to achieve your goals it's because why the hell are we rocking up do this job for people to be doing this sport if you don't enjoy it and if you're not contributing to an environment that increases the joy of people there what are you doing like especially at a vfl level like we're not here for the money so like if you're going to be there you better damn well be enjoying yourself and big thing from him is that if you rock up you know, he walks in the door, everyone has a smile on their face. And so that's probably the biggest thing I learned at that point in VFL is that you need to create a positive atmosphere with everything that you do. And so, like again, put aside all the sports science jargon, put aside the, the, your objectives and your agenda for increasing performance and just increase the amount of smiles in a room. Yep. increase the amount of high fives in a room increase the hugs in a room i love you they appreciate yous and all that like that, that that's probably the most important element in any kind of honestly team and that's sort of what i got out of my
1: VFL experience there it's a good one to refer back on for those listening in like you said straight away as soon as you start studying sports science put you know put it to practice and apply your learnings with people to develop those you know softer skills if you call them that or the art of coaching but communication side of things what about from the the technical side of things was there anything in there you mentioned how you're exposed to gps but there's some situations that you're either put in or just by you know working with uh strength and conditioning coaches sports scientists physiotherapists that have been in the game for a while was there anything in there where you thought oh it would have been helpful if i you know did a bit more of this you know to make an impact in this environment before getting that opportunity or you know, whether it be track and field experience, Olympic weightlifting, whatever whatever specific sort of technical skill. I
0: wouldn't say there's any particular set of skills that you needed going, I think a good attitude, mm-hmm. like understanding that you don't know everything because the people that do rock up and they think they know everything, like, you know, that outside of sport, those people piss you off and in sport, they definitely piss you off. But in terms of learning before I got there, really, like, I, I just... I'm pretty good academically, so like I had all the I had the understanding of you know all the the baseline university stuff of mm-hmm. all the the technical side of things. And that's useful to have. Absolutely. Don't come in as a total idiot in terms of other skills. What I found with my experience there, and I, I really appreciate it of the people there, uh, the people that brought me in, so Kama being one of them, Cody Moran, who was there at the time, the sports scientist, S AFL, there, Justin Crow as well as HPM at the time when I came in, they, they, they were big sports nerds. And so in my interview to get in, like I just started getting them to you know, gush like sports nerds, which big tip if you're in an interview, get people talking like nerds and they probably appreciate having you around because they probably don't have too many people to talk to like that. But really, I think that good teams and managers and stuff will find, if, if, they, if you're a good person, they'll find a way to utilize the skills you have. Yeah. Having said that, come with something, like come with some kind of experience, like you've coached some people. If you come in and you are an Olympic lifting coach, sick, like have something that sets you apart. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you have to like roll in. Like I, I know for, in terms of, in terms that come to us now, I'm not expecting them to be Olympic lifting coaches. I'm not expecting mm-hmm. them to be, you know, the best s and coaches in the world. I'd probably get, you know, my ego couldn't take that. But have something set you apart. And it's like, oh, okay, cool. I don't do that. Like if you're super good at, you know, like Franz Bosch stuff, I'm not super into that. Like, talk to me, teach me stuff. Like, keen to learn. Like, if you can set yourself apart in whatever skill, love it. We had a, one of my interns at Carlton last year was a gymnastics coach. And so we was like, sick, I've got no idea about gymnastics. Love it. Let, talk to me about it. And then we even had, you know, during a warm-up, he ran some, it's like a handstand progression, basically. Just to something like, you know, spice things up. Let's do something a bit different. Let's have a little bit of fun. We got him using some of the trampoline stuff that we've got at, at Carlton the some plyo prep stuff just sort of just hey he's got a cool skill let's, let's try and utilize but then in terms of learning stuff at Essendon be a sponge I don't think anyone expects you to roll in understanding how to utilize GPS for a team just be a sponge and ask questions ask all the questions in the world if they get sick of your questions that probably says more about them than you
1: yeah and what about on the flip side mate challenges that you've faced over your career and and what have you learned how have
0: you grown from them so I'm a perfectionist, which is not a good thing. Don't don't say, oh yeah, okay, this guy's a perfectionist. I'll be no, don't no, don't be a perfectionist. It's terrible. That's probably one of the biggest challenges that I've had is that I'll have that paralysis by analysis. And honestly, there's no singular detail in physical performance that is going to have that big of an impact that you should lose sleep over it. Like, if if you're stopping the rollout of an otherwise pretty good intervention because it's not perfect, then you're missing out on a lot. Like, let let, let the chaos be, which I know has been a big challenge for me as an individual. Other challenges would be, you know, learning football in those early phases, but that's always fun and to learn new stuff. Obviously, COVID's a challenge because, of course, but really it's that applying your technical knowledge to a a group of people that don't care about your technical knowledge and finding and again as a teacher coach whatever it's not the athlete's job to care about what you have to say it's your job to get them to either care about what you have to say or deliver it in a way that they care about like, again, it's on you, which I think is a really, really good challenge because they don't teach it at school. No, legit, no, I don't think there's any unique degree that they'll tell you about it. They'll tell you, oh, you know, the real world's a bit different, but it doesn't prepare you. But in, yeah, I think that's probably been some of the biggest challenges, other than the classic ones of, uh, oh, actually, another big one is sort of networking. I'm not a good networker. I've found that in a lot of this industry, you need to do that just to get to know people. Not just to get to know people, to get advantages in your career and blah, blah, blah. There's all that type of thing. But I think it opens you up to new ideas of stuff. <laughs> I've found that the broader my network got, the, the more stuff I learned and then more ideas I got. Even working with you, you know, there's even just different ways of applying... Because if your your background is some CrossFit stuff as well, so it's like okay, I haven't, I, I don't know people that have had that background. Yeah. You take bits and pieces, and it's just sort of a different way of whether it's programming stuff, whether it's a different way of teaching stuff. So it's like okay, cool, take little bits and pieces, and so that's something that's been a challenge for me, but it's, it's not a natural thing for me to do. It, it, you look at people who it is a natural thing for, and you know they have a lot of success come their way, got to get better at it.
1: Yeah. Thanks for sharing, mate. And, and for the athletes or, or parents of young athletes listening in, what are some common strength conditioning, athlete development sort of mistakes that you see and you know, you're now working obviously privately with us, but you're seeing people on a one-on-one basis, but also, you know, you've got a fair sense by working into AFL programs of, you know, what's relevant, what's not. What What are some things that you feel that young athletes that haven't been in the system or been in a talent pathway system potentially, you know, make mistakes with or or, or, you know, need to focus more of their energy
0: towards other things? Hmm. Well, other than the, the biggest one being not doing any S&C, but other than that, I'd probably say majoring in the minor. And what I mean by that is really looking at whether it's in terms of trying to find exactly the right supplement, because I know, you know, we're, we're all teenagers and we're all trying to find what's the best mix of supplements to make me massive when you're going to the yeah. gym, like maybe once or twice a week. Or, or another way would be looking at like the cool, flashy, really high level exercise that you find on Instagram and not seeing the progressions of over, you know, one, two, six, 12 months that it took to get there, paying them any attention. That's what I'd probably say is probably one of the most common mistakes is looking at the 1% things and thinking that, they're what, that that's what's separating me from the elite level. It's like. Ooh. No, it's probably a lot of the other stuff, which is perfectly fine, especially at that sort of junior age. If you haven't been to the gym, it's like, well, like it's okay that you haven't been there, but like let's get on that. It's you know let, let's get on some of this skill stuff. Let's get let let's start developing it. It's like that, that's not a one percent. Put your energy into the big rock, and that's going to give you bigger results than doing this one cool plyometric exercise or getting the right supplements or doing the exact right balance of different recovery mechanisms. Hit the big stuff and you're going to get most of the way there.
1: And it can be basketball as well. What, what's an athlete that you've observed that's really exceeded your expectations yeah, that have surprised you in the, in the results they achieved or the performances that they
0: come to realize? I don't really know. difficult to say exceeded expectations because I, I expect a lot from people and I expect people to put a lot of energy in and I want them to put a lot of energy. So I, I, I feel like there's not a lot of people that exceed them, but I think there's some people that have sort of like caught me out of left field. It's sort of, it's a cool story that I really think back on when I was back, back I think I was 18, 19 coaching, you know, it's like a local under 18s team, which was full of like below bottom age. This guy should have been playing under 16s, got all the way to a grand final, lost in a grand final. It'd be like that sometimes. And towards the end of the season, one of our players who I was trying to get, you know, he was a pretty good player. And I'm like, hey man, like I need you taking a bit of leadership and ownership of this team now. It can't just be me yelling at you guys. I need you to help me out here. And you sort of turn this sort of 15 year old and sort of you know starts puffing out his chest a bit and sort of telling people what to do. And I'm like, sick. Okay, that makes my job so much easier. Now I haven't, you know, I'm still eighteen, nineteen, I am still 18, 19. i have not matured enough to realise it, actually done something to this kid. He's developed into something, and at that point, I'm like, I'm not. Like, I'm just thinking, I've got another coach. on this This makes my life so much easier. Yeah. Towards the end of that season, that that kid's dad says to me, "Hey, thanks for everything you've done this season. I think in no small part thanks to you, my son can look me in the eye when he talks to me now." And I'm like, "Oh, oh shit!" And again, eighteen, nineteen year old me, and I'm just like, "Ah, uh, <laughs> oh, you're welcome." And then you sort of look back on that, you realize, "Oh, wow, you actually like had a." Like a big impact on someone and that's probably the like in terms of the know if you call it exceeding expectations because i've never had an expectation that, that was entirely out of left field but then it sort of makes you stop and think okay you're not coaching f and c you're not coaching yeah. basketball you're not coaching football you're coaching people and even if that person doesn't go on to get drafted to the nba to the afl whatever like you, you you've, you've helped your kid walk taller that's awesome, mate! Thanks for the insight, and yeah, we love
1: storytelling. So I appreciate you sharing that one. Moving into the, the personal side, mate, give us a bit of an insight into how Wolf operates. Do you are you a quote man? Do you have a favourite inspirational
0: motto or, or quote? I'm not a big quote guy, but in general, I feel like you know. Hopefully, I've got to, uh, a, a, a sort of a motto. I guess would be enjoy what you do. Mm. It goes back to what I was saying about Cam before. Everyone listening, go harass him. Go annoy him. Go ask him questions, go just, just to piss him off. I love you, Cam. And it really is to enjoy what you do. And I'll put it to you another way another bit of storytelling, because I've recently learned that that is one of the big tools that I need to get better at in terms of my coaching is getting to, you know, using more stories. One of, one of the quotes all clubs will have their mottos and quotes and some mantras and stuff. At Essen and VFL, we literally had a. So Plackard was, you know, someone of them was compete on one big theme. as a picture of, you know, of, of shot from a game of people competing. One of them was literally Camit, as in Cam, Macaulay, Camit. And it just meant care and love for each other and enjoying what you do and helping other people enjoy what they're doing there. If you could put Camit as a life motto or an inspirational quote, go for it. And just meaning like, enjoy what you do, help other people enjoy being around you and so on. Just because, you know, you, you hear stuff, you know, quotes like, you know, disciplines, what saves you when motivation fails, you know, that kind of thing. It's like, yeah, cool. But if you don't enjoy what you're doing, why are you doing it? And if you don't enjoy what you're doing, but you need to do it, find a way to enjoy it, whether it's, you know, find a different method to do that thing which you enjoy. It might be do that thing you don't really enjoy, but have someone with you that you enjoy having the company. Enjoy what you do because otherwise, you know, what are you doing it for? Good one. And what about some books or, or documentaries for, for athletes or even for strength conditioning? I'm not a massive book reader. I have picked up a couple though. One for Coach say, is Conscious Coaching by Brett Bartholomew, which I'd be surprised if a handful of coaches on this podcast haven't mentioned before. And that just that's just sort of helped me with tailoring your communication style to different people because, again, like I said before, it's not a, a player's job to be coached by you. It's your job to coach them and find a way to coach them which I think that book has some tips about how to deal with different personality types and so on. But I reckon one for anyone is probably Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink. So I'll let people do most of their own research about Jocko Willink, but essentially the ex davy Steele talks about the idea of extreme ownership being taking responsibility for stuff, for, for everything. Anything that happens, you need to take responsibility for it some way, shape or form. For example, if your teammate makes a mistake on field, instead of Blaming that individual, you need to, okay, what could I have done to help prevent that mistake from happening? And if you ask those sort of questions of yourself, you'll find that you can actually have more of an impact on people around you than you might realize, and then on a team and so on and so forth. And it's just an interesting concept. I, I let people, you know, read it or have a look at his stuff on YouTube or whatever they want to do. But it's an interesting concept in really having a look at what impact you can have on people and then not sitting back and blaming everyone else for stuff because that's going to get you and everyone else nowhere
1: and what about in your work life do you have pet peeves or anything that buys
0: you up? i hate apathy and people that don't want to get better i hate it so much because i'm constantly thinking myself. okay how can i make this better again i'm a you know a bit of a perfectionist which is not a good thing but i, I don't get it when people just are fine with things being okay mm. like okay well, great let, let's let's make it better let's find Let's find something we can do. If, we, if, we've done, if we've done the big rocks, we've hit our big rocks, Great. Right? How do we hit the big rocks better? How do we, what are some other things we can do now? Because I, I don't know, maybe it's just kind of like sitting still. There's probably something diagnosable in that. But it's, it's, it's those people that kind of like, if you want to come up with an idea or something and you want to try and do something new and exciting and stuff, and they're just like, oh, I don't want to, you know, but we do, we do. And I'm like, help me out. Get me excited to be here. Come on, let's go. That's yeah. probably one of my biggest pet peeves. Drainers, you want energy drainers? Yeah, yeah, there yeah. we go.
1: What about a favorite way to spend a day off, mate?
0: Movies, TV, games—sort of. You know, I'm a big, big movie guy, and especially recently with this weather, geez. Oh, I'm just, you know, at the gym, finding of, you know, other, any other types of house people, or whatever. Just chillaxing really. I'm not a, I'm not someone who needs to plan out, you know, a billion. Because you know, I'm a bit of an introvert myself, which kind of runs contrary to my line of work. So I've got to, I tend to have to relax a lot when I'm not working i've got to you know recharge the battery so to say
1: and for those parents listening in or, or athletes mate that are, you've inspired to like you said some aren't doing the big rocks and, and actually getting in the gym where do you do your work for us in in paran or what's the location of the gym but also more importantly what's a typical session what can people expect to to get better at when they uh, trade with yourself
0: well you, and it's people that have met me they'll notice i'm, I'm a big dog for a reason. So. In terms of what you can expect, well, firstly, I work out of edge training in Peran. So, but then in field sessions around Peran. and I'm one of the, talking about big rocks, it's one of the things I focus on, especially with junior athletes, is just being able to lift things, mm-hmm. lift things well, learn the skill, and then be able to apply force. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm big on that. One of my philosophies, really, in terms of most sport is speed kills, power thrills. And if you can apply force quick, then in a lot of situations, you're probably going to succeed. You can, you know, I'm more than happy to discuss that sort of philosophy because there's a lot of you know, things that you can go into with that. But in general, if you don't have a good baseline of strength and power, you're, forget about performance, weak things break. So the number one goal of this job is to make sure people don't break. So okay. let's make sure people are strong. That's, what, that's a big thing for me is... Finding ways to develop strength and power in a football specific way that can, you know, that, that helps one someone be robust enough to handle football. But also do it in a safe way. Because obviously you can do some crazy stuff in a gym. So it's one of those things of learning how to move, challenging that by, you know, put a little bit of weight on. And then if you're what once once you understand you can move well and you're hungry for it. Then we can start looking at some 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 power.
1: Yeah, well said, mate. There's more to it than obviously if you just said get stronger. You mentioned mm-hmm. context is key. So there's there's you know understanding how to build robustness to to help you you know be resilient in in football and and increase your player availability, which is massive because obviously development's going to go through the roof the more sessions that you're healthy for. But but also it's not a matter of just lifting more; it's actually mm-hmm. applying force in the right direction and everything. So I love that he- holistic view, mate, and yeah, looking forward to working with a bit more. What, what's on the horizon for 2022? For those listening to the recording, we're now doing this in um, you know, late November. Who would have thought that the weather's this bad in Melbourne? <laughs> I'm sure Sydney's a bit nicer.
0: Mate, apparently, um, apparently it's snowing in some parts of Victoria, I've heard.
1: There you go. That's no surprise. But yeah, for, for those listening in 2023, mate, talk to us about the horizon of what next year is going to look like for you.
0: Big season for the baggers. as they have some success there? Real keen. We're already putting together some planning and stuff for pre-season to get get after it. Real keen on that. We made finals last year for VFL, so we're real keen on pushing that. But always stay hungry for that. That's probably you know one of the big things I'm most excited about is just getting back in the getting back into it. Always enjoy team success, individual successes. Myself individually might even go back to uni looking into that, looking more for the rehab side of things, just to Mm -hmm. broaden that perspective now. Because I find that the more you can, again, look at a holistic perspective of stuff, the more you can appreciate when the body's healthy and then when it's not, the better. But yeah, hopefully we can have a good season for the whole club over at the Blues, get the big boys over the line, none of those one-point downings Collingwood. Anywho, I didn't bring it up, you did. And hopefully it's a, a lot of success across the whole club.
1: Thank you so much for, for jumping on, mate, and, and also for joining the team at Prepare Like a Pro. It's an honor to have you on. And and for those, like I mentioned, you're in you're in Paran. So for anyone that's in Kilda, um, Paran, Windsor, South Yarra, make sure to hit us up and, and get trained by James. You definitely won't regret it. And for those tuning in, make sure to listen to the whole episode. That will be live on our YouTube channel until we publish it on our podcast in the next couple of weeks. Our next live guest will be with Nick Murray. He's the head of sports science at Melbourne Footy Club, and that'll be this Thursday at 2 p.m. So I'll see you guys then. Thanks again, James. For anyone who wants to follow up any questions, where's the best place to get in contact?
0: Probably uh, if you look at my Instagram, there's nothing on it. That's where I work. and learn new stuff from other people. LinkedIn's probably the best way to get in touch with me. Uh, Yeah. I'll add the link in the show notes. Thanks again, mate. Thank you.
1: If you enjoyed this episode and want even more, our academy is for you. The Prepare Like a Pro Academy is a platform that hosts exclusive features and bonus content, such a Q&A segment aimed at getting to know the guests on a more personal level. Here's an example with Emily Meehan, head sports dietitian of the Collingwood Football Club. What are things that, that fire you up?
2: Oh, this one is always, uh, so I suppose it is, um, it'll be topical for most people, I think, but staying in your lane. And I yep. often find that with nutrition, everyone eats, so everyone has an opinion. And I think that's what really gets me fired up um, because so many people try and provide nutrition advice based on their end of one experience when they did intermittent fasting or keto or whatever it might be. And then game
1: changes, we feel like yeah, game game you know. changes
2: whatever that might be. And look, it probably keeps me in a job, but that it does drive me insane because sometimes the information can be so detrimental um, and opposite to what I've been working with my athlete or athletes and, you know, and because they hear it on someone's socials or through a documentary, it unravels everything that I've been working with an athlete for. Yeah, yeah.
1: Another feature of our academy is the opportunity each week to join myself as co-host on the Prepare Like a Pro live chat show. Here's an example with Academy member Rama Davies, the strength and conditioning coach at the Box Hill Hawks. Welcome Rama to the chat. Uh, Rama has also worked at, at Box Hill, or currently he's working at Box Hill Hawks with us. Awesome. So he's another Box Hill man uh, in the strength and conditioning department. So I'll hand it over to you, Rama, to, to ask your question, mate. Thanks for joining us. Excellent. Thanks, Jack. And yeah, thanks, um, thanks, Sam, for the chat. It was uh, I found it to be really insightful, plenty of gems in there. Um, And I enjoyed it a lot. Mate, my my question to you was you spoke quite a bit about um, perspective during that chat. Um, And I was wondering what are some of the things that you either know or um, do physically that um, you wish you either knew or did uh, back at the beginning of your career? Uh, What are some of those things? Mm. Yeah. Good question. Um,
3: yeah. So I suppose with perspective on life, um, that sort of point, um, it, yeah, certainly, yeah, has been massive for me now and, and didn't probably have that as much, um, when I was younger. Um, I suppose one thing I might mention is, is gratitude. I spent a lot of my time, um, doing a lot of gratitude exercises, listening to podcasts,